1: Welcome to another episode of What Do You Love Most About Basketball, a short podcast series I've been doing. I'm Samson Folk, and today I'm in conversation with a dear, dear friend of mine, Evan Gualberto, who is one of the OG clip connoisseurs of the YouTube age, piecing together defensive highlights when nobody else was. Um, His YouTube channel is quite popular for that, but also, you know, a fantastic coach, somebody who helps shape and teach the young minds, and the young players of, of tomorrow. And we're talking about connection today. So I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I had a blast. And Evan is insightful, as always. So enjoy. Evan Qualberto, what is your favorite thing about basketball? I Just jumping into it, It's
0: it's connection. It's... Whether you're talking about player to player, like you talked about um, in the pod with Katie, where it's there's this thing you experience when you can see games live or you're a player. Um, there's a level of when you are connected with your team, your teammates that you know. There's this joy to be had, or when there's a lack of connection, you can you can sort of feel that coming off of the screen, or maybe if you can't, you can feel it like in a gym right when you when you can see the players um you know player to coach if there's something between the two if there's a level of again care between a player and the coach then like th- it starts to pop off the the page as it were um fan to team team to fans um good fi connection will help you watch <laughs> highlights um yeah Connections. It's it's full of it. And you're gonna hear me say it a whole lot. Connections.
1: Okay. So my first thing, obviously, knowing you very well, knowing you're a coach and knowing that you coach not only because you care a great deal about the game of basketball, but you care a great deal about the the kids you're coaching. What are the hallmarks of establishing a connection with the child who's trying to get better at the game of basketball? I guess
0: the biggest thing is is showing that you care it's not just for me it's never just been about winning and losing basketball games even though you know i i hate hate losing i hate losing more than like the joy of winning <laughs> but but it's but you know there's there's a difference between like doing everything in your power to get a win um versus doing everything in your power to like connect to a player and then like try to win together. So I guess, I mean, to start with like, the reason I, I love basketball is because, um, I started playing basketball when I was like 15. Um, and when I first moved to the States, I had, I had only just started playing basketball for like six months or so in the Philippines, but like I was a super shy kid, um, super difficult for me to make friends. Not that I necessarily tried basketball was my way in right and we we actually talked about this i don't know if it made the pod or not um on the bouncing around with ben pfeiffer it's like if you're a good like passer playmaker unselfish like everybody loves that guy in pickup and they think like there's some level of translation to life right so like that's how i made my first couple of connections and like I tell this to my players all the time, I'm not the most combative person off the court, but on the court, like I will argue with the referee to no end. When I feel like you're getting the raw end of the deal, I will like, I don't care if we, if we lose at that point, if it means your safety is on the line, you know, so it's just, I don't necessarily know if I do any one thing or a few things in particular. But I feel like there's a genuineness that you have to have or that if you don't have, kids can pick up on. Um, where it's like, I don't want necessarily for my players to play for me. And I don't, you know, want them to think I'm only coaching them because I have to be coaching them because this is the job. I tell them as much as I can. It's it's a privilege to get to coach them, it's a privilege to get to work with them. Um, but like I want to make you better because like you know, that connection thing of there's basketball and then there's life. And like basketball has given me so much and taught me so many life lessons. If I can help you get to those same life lessons in a shorter amount of time than it took me to get to them, then like, then like I value that maybe more than
1: the wins, the records, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And to, to focus this just for a little bit on the encore aspect when you think of connection, are you thinking of the tiki taka passing that was, you know, emblematic of the beautiful game? Spurs. Are you thinking about two man actions like Trey Young and uh, John Collins, for example, where you could draw a line on the screen where you might expect the lob to be thrown and stuff like that? What is connection on the court to you? So,
0: what immediately jumps to mind are the so the the Phoenix Suns of two thousand and ten. Right. They are Steve Nash, Romare, Stoudemire. Channing Fry was a starting center, I believe, or maybe it was Robin Lopez. Regardless, Grant Hill was on that team. That's like to take, <laughs> to kind of swerve from your question a little bit, it's they were such a connected team off the court that their chemistry really allowed them to shine through on the, it, it shined through on the court in a way that, I don't necessarily know. They were greater than the sum of their parts, that old cliche. But it's because I think they had that off-court connection. And of course you have like uh I mean Steve Nash and uh, at the time a young Goran Dragić, right, uh play connectors in a way. Um all of that. So I think of that specifically and I think of the Golden State Warriors like I mean with Kevin Durant also but before Kevin Durant the championship Golden State Warriors where Steve Kerr and stuff has come out you know on Draymond's show or like when he's made appearances in in articles where Steve Kerr was talking about uh pass the ball pass the ball pass the ball the ball will find energy the ball will go where it needs to end up and you know at the time they Draymond didn't necessarily see why you know, he was telling Steph to swing, swing, swing the ball. But eventually that sort of hypercharged the, the Splash Brothers in a way, right? The ball kept moving and they never stopped moving. And so like now you can see that like Draymond and Steph have a level of, I don't know, like ESP at some point, right? You have to think um, where they have this connection without really having to say it. I think about that and I think about how those warriors and I think with all great teams is they all touch the ball, not necessarily like they're having plays run for them and all of that stuff, but because all five guys are touching the ball or the ball is whipping around suddenly you have, I think more energy on the defensive end. And so there's the connection between like, you know, it ties in, Oh, I'm touching the ball. I feel I feel good about being involved. Now I'm going to be as involved as I can be defensively. And I think those are the two biggest like on-court connections in a team context, I think.
1: So kinetic energy manifests metaphysical energy, as it were, or connections. I mean,
0: I could never have come up with that myself, but yeah, that's that's exactly.
1: Okay, so and then this brings me up to, connections in the power of relationships. And this kind of goes into what you said about, you know, touching the ball makes you want to do certain things and gives you more energy for defense and stuff like that. But relationships off the court connections off the court that lead to relationships on the court. It is astounding that Draymond Green called Kevin Durant from a parking lot and said, you need to be here. And that doesn't happen unless they're friends. And that doesn't happen unless they have a pre-existing connection. And do you see that from a young age between kids that it fosters two-man games or it fosters the ability to grow, you know, maybe even defend two-man actions together and stuff like that? What is the, in observing, I guess, you know, the kids you coach, but then also seeing it happen with what players will let us in on, you know, friendship connection off the court and what what Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan is a good example of that too. Uh, How important do you think that is to on the court stuff?
0: So I've had it where um, I guess I've, I've coached a bunch of talented teams before, but I think one of the best teams that I coached, they'd been, they'd been playing together for like a long time. They played youth basketball together and they were coming up through, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I had this type of offense that, you know, it was really structured and it relied on like guys to be in certain spots at certain times, I, it, there was a, there was a sort of disconnect, but when I sort of opened things up and allowed them to start making more decisions, you know, amongst each other, let that chemistry really shine through. Then I think that's when like those teams became the most successful there's a level of, I mean, I coach, I coach high school boys, right? High school aged young men where (laughs) they're not the most communicative group. And that's super important on the defensive end, because like, if you're not communicating, if there's no connection as it were between, you know, the five fingers on the hand, then like the defense is going to be so-so. So if there's no, I guess I guess I'm uh, circling this point without saying it, um, or I'm trying to find a way to say this point is like if you have trust and communication on the court, that kind of carries over off the court, and vice versa. so i I can't necessarily tell people uh, you can be a better t- you can be a better team if you two become better friends um, on the court. But if I tell them like, Hey, like have a conversation with each other, like, you know, figure out like what exactly it is you guys have in common. Then you start to, you start to like each other more. You start to play for each other more. You start to have a little more trust and you start to communicate a little better. And so, you know, when there's a lack of connection, um, off the court, there's, it, it may sometimes carry over on the court. Obviously in the NBA, it's, it's different because, You know, when you're a professional and you're getting paid to play the game, you are of a certain level of skill and talent. And so, like, you know, yeah, maybe maybe getting paid allows you to overcome a lack of, like, off-court connection. But, like, from where I come from as a coach, like, you have to not necessarily get the guys to be friends, but as together as your players can be. And I keep using together and connection, right? But as like tight as they can be off the court, it it definitely translates, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so the most interesting thing about having connection as your favorite thing about basketball is, for example, if a running back on his own twenty or her own twenty gets the ball, they can run for eighty yards. And they will have the ball the whole time and score a touchdown. And the play is the play is live once they touch it. And the play is dead once they've scored, but they never, the ball never left their grasp and basketball, I think is often considered the sport where players have the most control like superstars. There's the most collinearity between superstars and championships. And it's less of a team game than some other sports because of this, because of the control players have over the ball And yet the ball is constantly via dribble, via shooting, whatever, leaving your control all the time. And I'm curious what you think about, you know, how connectivity works with basketball while you're also constantly letting the ball leave your, I don't know, your sphere of control or your, your handle or you're shooting it anything like that.
0: Well, um, the thing that immediately jumps to mind is like that. It's a, you know, I've heard basketball be called a strong link game in that your strongest link, (laughs) um, carries you the furthest, whereas like in football, soccer, it's your weakest link that, you know, will be your downfall. And so I guess that, that one of the things I enjoy the most, especially thinking about it in the context of connection is that when a player gives up the, when a great player gives up the ball, there's, there's gotta be some level of either trust in their coach or trust in their teammates, or, you know, hopefully both that you're going to get it back or the ball is going to go where it's supposed to go. Otherwise, like why would a good player who can beat two guys off the dribble, give up the ball? It's a, you know, that if there's no, again, there's no trust, there's no connection, then you can only go so far. I specifically think of like, you know, if like Tim Duncan wasn't the the consummate professional, the guy who like let himself um, get yelled at by pop in front of like guys two through 14, 15, whatever. If he didn't take that hard coaching, And he didn't make the early open pass. Would the Spurs be the Spurs? Probably not. But he had trust in the infrastructure and all of that stuff. Like Steph Curry, you you see it now with like John Morant, right? When they give up the ball, it's not begrudgingly like, "Oh well, am I gonna get this back?" It's let me give this up and let me do stuff to open up my teammates to free guys up and things like that. So, I guess. I don't know if that answers your question, but
1: yeah. So a lot of your answers make me think about community and and not the TV show that you and I both love and adore, but community as in the sense of it. And whether it's Tim Duncan, probably as far as career accolades in the Tim Duncan accolade sense, sacrificed, but probably gained in the San Antonio Spurs dynasty sense. And the way you talk about creating a situation for kids to thrive or the way you talk about the game and how everybody benefits from being a certain way or trust and all this kind of stuff. I mean, community, you talked about a way to make friends, but basketball in your life, what is it now as far as how it helped you get to the point where you are currently?
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to sound super... um, I mean, I, I love basketball. I love basketball so much because it's it's effectively not given me everything, but it it has helped shape who I am in like the biggest way. So like I said, I was a shy 14, 15-year-old before I touched the basketball. Watched basketball, studied basketball, worked at it. It taught me work ethic. It taught me <laughs> Patience, because I wasn't getting better as quickly as like I would have wanted to. Um, it like it gave me this level of confidence. And if you had told me before I had touched the basketball that I would try to make my living off of teaching this game, that like I once thought I did. I never thought it was ridiculous. I just never really thought about basketball in that way. I, like I've not, never thought about basketball like, in a critical sense, really. Like I was just a kid who like liked playing games, um, but didn't like that because I wasn't good at it, or I didn't really try to be. And now, like, all I want to do is connect people to basketball. Like, bouncing around in the steps, Those these are these are shows that like that you and I have worked really hard on, and Sabrina and I have worked really hard on. But they're made as a sort of love letter to the game and like the people who watch the game it's similar to um what i do on twitter with the game threads it's like i don't do the threads because oh man there's a i feel this rush of like yeah people are seeing how smart i am and i know like what this play and that play is called like i don't really care if you give me the credit for um like teaching you these terms, what I want you to do is feel as connected to basketball as I do to love it as much as I do, because you might be watching something and you might think like, Oh, what is that? Or why did that work? If I can help you, if I can guide you along or be the connective tissue between, you know, those who watch the game and like, don't quite understand it and help them along their journey. Like, that's all I want to do like all the different things I do from like the highlight, the highlight videos. And, you know, that stuff started because there were no, or there was, I felt a lack of that type of content, like a Danny green transition video, like transition defense video, wasn't something that like exist, not necessarily that didn't exist, but it wasn't good enough to the standard that I wanted. Like they're like I was so invested in the game, and I watched so many like quote unquote highlights, and I thought, I just wish the moves were like stacked one on top of the other so I could study the progressions, and then I figured out like I could just do that, and so like like <laughs> just about every single thing I do or most things I do are made to help you connect to basketball better or. I mean, I hope,
1: you know. Does be, there's a term that is, you know, a colloquialism that everybody's familiar with when somebody is in their element. And we're meant to understand that when you're in your element, you are either comfortable or you're excelling at something. And when you're comfortable and excelling at something, I think typically that shows who people truly are. It shows a really, really true sense of who they are, what they like, you know. Their likes, dislikes, all that kind of stuff, and so is basketball your element, and does it help you access or connect to, you know, your your full self, your true self? Because I, I find personally that 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 is something that basketball allows me to be the full uh, version of Samson. Because there are a lot of, I guess, situations. You know, as an introverted guy, there's a lot of situations in life where I'm not comfortable inserting myself into conversations. I'm not comfortable inserting myself into groups of people but basketball is the outlet that lets me slide in there and basketball is the outlet that lets me to be funny and carefree and you know very light and stuff like that and to enjoy myself
0: yeah absolutely it's i am i am more the person i am off the court um now but that wasn't always the case like, I, you know, it took, it's took friends in high school pointing out to me, Hey, you know, you have a really great work ethic. And I'd be like, what could you possibly mean by that? Like, I don't, I don't like to work at all. And they're like, no, on the court, you do this and that, and this and that. And you're getting up at like, yeah, you know, back in high school, I was so obsessed. Like I would get up at like five, six in the morning. Like I'm on my Jimmy Butler grind. You know what I mean? Um. <laughs> Um, and so I, I worked I worked super hard at basketball. And people pointed out if you just applied yourself in this way, if you were as loud in the classroom as you are on the court communicating like, you know, when you see a screen being set or whatever, or you know, someone cutting back door. like if you just apply those things to like real life, then, you know, your grades are going to go up and and all of this. And yeah, that's basically most skills I've learned my, and carry with me and that I try to preach to, to young people are things that basketball taught me.
1: It's maybe a little bit cliche that, you know, you're a coach and that we've discussed, you know, basketball. And basically the takeaway in my mind is that, Basketball helps you learn things about yourself and helps you, you know, learn all of the cliche things about work ethic and how to work as a team and how to learn and how to be the best version of yourself and all that kind of stuff. But cliches are often cliche for a reason in that there's a lot of truth to them.
0: Yeah. Originally, when, you know, you invited me on, I was like, well, does he is he inviting me on as the person who, like, you know, makes the highlight videos or who does the (laughs) game threads or who, you know as the co-host of bouncing around or like as the basketball coach and like you tap into one thing and you sort of end up tapping into all of those things and so like yeah you know I'm sure it's super boring to other people to hear like to hear me as a basketball coach say like yeah you know it will show you really who you are but like that's kind of I mean that's that might be what other people love about basketball is it's not just it's theater, right? It's, it shows you all of the, and (laughs) what I was going to do was like, I was going to rattle off like all the different like topics you've hit so far with Lewis, Katie, (laughs) Mark, Yasmin, and, um, and Alex, but like it, it, there's so many different things to love about it. And it's just like the one thing that I, you know, have like the thread that runs through like everything I do is that I love it and I want you to be able to um, tap into in tap into it in whatever way like you to be able to access it in a way because like I've I've talked about this a bunch is that like you know basketball analysts and things like that there's a sort of gatekeeping that happens because like oh you don't understand the term so like you can't really talk about it or like I am right because I have these stats and X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, I don't really care about how you like embrace and enjoy the game. All that matters to me is that you, you know, don't keep other people from, from doing it. And so like, I guess, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm all over the place right now, but like, you know, it, I just want people to feel, can't stop saying it connected to this thing (laughs) that I care about so much.
1: So it, what you're saying about not knowing terms and stuff like that, I think that for people who catalog the game and people who want to teach it in a way that, you know, it 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 can, I guess, cross cultural boundaries. It can cross all different types of boundaries and be understood. Like it's a standardized, you know, action that people understand. That is worthwhile. And that's something that our friend Bowser, Bowser is doing. But as far as what people have to know if you are able to recognize when players gain or lose advantage, you understand basketball like right at the core of it, because that is really what it is. It doesn't matter if you know that it's like horns flare or something like that, or horns leak or anything or horns out or anything of that sort. None of those words matter. You only have to be able to tell when guys are getting advantages and maybe be like, why did they get that? And then you understand the game of basketball. You don't have to be able to put words to it. You're absolutely right there. And I, I guess I'll ask us to finish off on an on-court aspect of the game. And, you know, defense, this is one of the things that if you want to talk about bring you on as the highlight package guy, the, the first person really to do it on YouTube The way you did. <laughs> um, blood, sweat, and tears all these years. Blood alone moves the wheels of history, yada, yada, yada. I'm curious, what are the most important aspects of being connected defensively, because, you know, you've paid attention to defense for a long time already. And whether it's like the lock and trail, which is the simplistic understanding of being connected, you know, defensively, uh, I am curious what you think are the most important aspects of that. God,
0: if any of my players are listening to this, they're going to get PTSD, um, communication. (laughs) That's that, that's all that it's, it's, I talk about it so much in practice every single day, every single day. Just communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, There's. I can remember one specific time where it was. Um, it was a close game against a rival school, and I legitimately told it was a group that like hadn't communicated very well. On defense, especially, but like hadn't communicated well at all. They were just kind of talented enough to like kind of overcome it, and I, literally in the huddle, said. I swear, guys, if this is the only time you communicate all year, I'm good with it. Just talk on defense. We were we were up by one, um, baseline and bounce play for them. I said, just communicate. Like you know what you know what the play is gonna look like. You know it's going to. They had a they had a target man, um, a post player who it's like had dominated, had scored more than half their points that game. You know who it's gonna end up with. Just like talk just talk trust each other communicate and that's it it's it's communication in reps right so like i would say no matter what your scheme is whether you know you're an ice blue down whatever you're like hedging all ball screens in hard deny whatever you want it requires you guys to be on a string and like if you have enough reps in practice or you know throughout the course of a season that you can do that stuff without talking more power to you but like communication takes away a lot of the bad things i've had like super athletic teams who like we can we can run jump man press you the whole game and then like spring traps on you um strategically those teams have been able to get beat I've had teams that like, you know, we couldn't press at all because I, we just didn't have the foot speed that most teams did. So like, there was no, there was no like strategic trapping, um, that we could do that. I felt confident that like we could consistently do because like the pass will pick us apart and then blah, blah, blah. But there was a group in particular that like, wasn't fast. They weren't quick but they communicated so much that like, I think that was up there in terms of like the teams I've coached uh, in being able to do what they've done defensively. Um, they were really up there because like, I mean, communication makes all of the other stuff go away. It, it negates so many weaknesses. So I think it's that Um, if you ever have the chance to go to an NBA game or like a college bask a high level college basketball game or whatever a, pro- a professional game, sit close enough where you can hear the players on the court, and you'll hear just how much talking is happening, and it's it's so important, and that's why I think you talked about this, and um, the one with Katie is that like the mic'd up segments like I don't really <laughs> I I don't gain a lot from that as a basketball coach, but as a fan it excites me because I hear when I when I hear people talking on the court like it, it kind of gives me some energy
1: you know mm-hmm. and yeah this to even reference it back to like you know i think it was the game yeah the game against the pelicans that the raptors played and for anybody who does not want to hear the f word uh skip ahead i don't know 10 15 seconds but gary trent jr got back cut and you get a huge gary what the fuck from a player and they replayed that that clip like three times on the broadcast and you heard it every time. And it's like, they they let each other know when they screw up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is, the the communication is a huge part of the connection because you cannot express all things physically. And certainly it's a lot easier to express things physically on offense, but to work as a unit defensively uh, just because like the guy who has the ball on offense, he will be the focal point of everybody's eyes. So he can put up a fist, he can put up a number, he can do a twirl action, whatever, right? He can let, you know, Fred Van Vliet even did the Spock, like the Vulcan a, a couple of games ago. But right. on defense, everybody has to focus differently. And the only thing that can transcend your vision is your voice, is the ability to hear. And so, yeah, the ability to stay connected when your vision isn't there or your vision is transfixed elsewhere, that is the voice that is communication so i love that point you made
0: yeah i mean the the thing i didn't talk about earlier too that like i guess on some level i wanted to talk about is the the nonverbals right the nonverbals matter but there's not a lot of nonverbals that can happen on defense just because if you think of a typical nba defense like chances are there's going to be a pick and roll and there's a guy there's at least one player in the corner and so not everybody can see everybody else defensively. And so, like, you know, you kind of have the nonverbals are kind of out the window um, defensively um, to stay connected to your team. But if there's trust, if, you know, the, if you're trusting that you're going to fight over the screen, uh, you're trusting that the guy who's, you know, let's say in a drop is going to be, where you need him to be in order to not give up a layup or a dunk. And you're trusting when if you're gonna rotate over, you're trusting that the guy who's supposed to be the next person rotating is gonna be there. Or when you X out, high eye, all of that stuff. If if you don't have that trust, then communication like somebody letting you know that there's a screen or that I'm going to be there, like that fixes a lot of that stuff. But if there's not, it can, it can look real bad.
1: That's what I mean. You are a a terror to play against because we'll, we'll hedge and recover seamlessly. There's so much trust there. It's,
0: it's all about, it's all about, I don't have the foot speed anymore, but I can make (laughs) it sound like I'm going to be there. So, you know, chopping steps. Yep, uh, chopping steps from a distance, and and you do you really do all the work, and I can just be back there like QBing it. But you know, I make it sound like I'm working real hard.
1: There's actually a lot of value in that. D'Angelo Russell has recaptured a lot of his, maybe even not recaptured, captured a lot of defensive utility just by talking this year. It's it's honestly kind of remarkable to see how a guy who you know, relative to other guards, is really really slow. He's big but he's really slow. And so by being big for his position and just communicating efficiently, he's become a significantly better defender just by those two things. And I think that's probably the greatest testament to all the points you're making. It's just like talk, man. Talk and pay attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker, if you think about the build of most NBA players, like P.J. Tucker isn't necessarily a guy who should be, if you're just thinking about like what he looks like, how dare he's not- you? <laughs> he's not—he's—he's he's not the defender that you think. Oh, he's gonna help clean up so many of our problems. But as as I've talked about before, there's this um there's this mic'd up where he's on um he's in the Team USA like either it was like a select camp or I I don't really know, but he was mic'd up for a segment and like one of the very first things they capture him doing is he says talk talk talk. Over talk over talk and that's that's huge especially when you think of the context of like team USA where it's like most of these guys are all stars but the fact that a guy like PJ Tucker has to come in and be like let's talk 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 that means like they're not necessarily doing it right away and you know it's it it has to it has to start somewhere and eventually it can become a habit but It's so important. Communication,
1: connection, trust, all that. The Venn diagram that has over-talking in the middle, in the left bubble, good NBA defenders, in the right bubble, bad podcasters, over-talk. That's that's absolutely what it is, right in the middle. Uh, Evan, do you have any parting shots on connection before we get out of here?
0: I mean, besides the obvious of it's it's been great to reconnect with you it's been so long since we've done well this isn't technically uh, our podcast this is your beautiful like love basketball a love letter to um yeah it's 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 just nice to catch up with you the same sentiment that lewis expressed at the beginning of his um it's it's what I have it's what I would like to carry through and um I mean listener listen through all of these like they've all been amazing so far and I can't imagine the quality ever dropping
1: it's um thank you for that by the way it's kind of funny you know when we we talk about what this you know this podcast series is is I do a reaction podcast after every game and I've done it this is my fourth season doing it. You know, it's a lot of games and those reaction podcasts are a lot of people listen to them. I I like doing them. I really appreciate it. But they're also just like phew, they're gone. There is no you you wouldn't listen to, you know, a reaction podcast from last year and enjoy it. Why would you? Honestly. They 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 pair well with the game. They connect well with the game, let's say. But I wanted to be able to do a few podcast episodes with people that I admire that you could listen to a year from now, that you could listen to a year and a half from now. And I think that that's probably being accomplished. I don't know how many people who will. I don't know if people will care to do it, but you could. And as far as connection between you and I and the podcast we do together, I quite literally branded myself (laughs) with our podcast. If you want to talk about connection, Uh, Evan- Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a blast. Thank you. All right, listener. I hope you enjoyed it. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.